Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I heard a phrase on a Netflix documentary recently that I thought would be really appropriate for a podcast episode. And the phrase was, wounds will only heal with the truth. Think about that. Wounds will only heal with the truth. So we talk about divorce, right? Well, we have wounds and we have a whole lot of lying. I wish it wasn't so, but divorce is fraught with lying. I mean, I feel like my whole job sometimes is figuring out where the truth lies. And by the way, I'm not a judge. I'm not an attorney. I don't need to render decisions on anybody. Even as a mediator, I listen I listen through what people are saying because the first couple of mediations, trust me, the truth does not come out. It's when we really get into the third mediation, maybe even the fourth, that's when you start hearing the truth. That's when you start hearing people correct themselves. Well, I didn't really mean that. Okay, so let me say this another way. Oh, and it comes in all sorts of areas in divorce mediation. But but I started thinking about the truth because I've heard some huge representations of untruth lately. I mean, I even heard a woman say to me recently that she introduced herself to her husband's girlfriend and the mother of her husband's children as his manager, not even as his wife. Now, there's no judgment in this, by the way. There's just shock. I I have to tell you, I'm always shocked at what I hear. But because I never, ever want to render judgment on anybody, I always like to get to the truth, get to the reality. What is underlying all this lack of truth? And so I just wanted to share some thoughts with you. Okay. Why do people lie? Well, people lie because they're afraid. People lie because they feel out of control and lying makes them feel in control. People also lie because, you know, not a lot of, there are a lot of people who don't have a true moral core or moral fiber. And they They don't really understand how important it is to be truthful, to be honest. I mean, it's important for your own health, mental health, spiritual health, emotional health, physical health. It's seriously important that we live in truth if we want to live a healthy life. And... If we really want to freely express ourselves, which is the only way to live a healthy life, you have, excuse me, you have to be truthful. You know, so just look at how this starts. 
specifically addressing divorce. People lie about why they're even marrying somebody. People marry another person knowing it's not the right person. Absolutely knowing this is not the right decision to make. People lie. Why? Maybe there's money. Maybe there's security. Maybe this is what they were taught. This is what they saw with their own parents' relationship, that their parents accepted a less than healthy relationship. You know, people do what's familiar to them, and then they have to figure out why they did it. (laughs) So people lie to themselves just to make it okay to get married. And now you're in the marriage. And you're lying to yourself to accept behavior in the marriage that's not conducive to a healthy relationship. We have to lie. If we lie to get in the marriage, we're going to lie to stay in the marriage. And then when the marriage is over, we lie about that too. We lie about why we're getting divorced. And we try and blame our spouses when quite frequently, It's really us. You never can have a great relationship if the choice to be in a relationship isn't based on honesty, trust, uh, that you have the same ethics and morals, that you have the same ideas of what a relationship should be, uh, a healthy relationship should be, and then... Um, whether you want to have children or not. You know, a lot of people have children when they just don't really want to. And then having children breaks the marriage up. And the person who really never wanted to have children in the first place is quite happy to give full custody to the other spouse and just pay some money and not really have a relationship with their children. Oh, there's a lot of that that goes around. So first of all, those of you who are considering another relationship once your divorce is final, don't do the same thing you did to get in this relationship. Evaluate your new relationship differently. But clean up the relationship that you have. Clean up the divorce. Clean up the communication and the realizations of why you're getting divorced. Make that your truth and honesty as you're exiting the marriage. If there's one thing that you can do to clean up a marriage that should have never taken place or a marriage that was fraught with problems is to use the divorce as a new beginning. Use the divorce as an event to finally be truthful with yourself and with your spouse. That's the best thing you can possibly do for yourself. So if you realize that you should have never gotten married in the first place, say it. Say it in a mediation or say it in therapy. Just say, look, uh, you can blame me all you want, and I'm fine with that. I will accept your blame. But I realized before we got married, up until the wedding day, that we should never have gotten married. 
that this really wasn't the right decision for both of us. Well, it certainly wasn't the right decision for me. And you may agree with me, it wasn't the right decision for you. So here we are now, we're dividing our stuff. We have children that we have to raise. Let's do this in the best way possible. Please accept my apology for agreeing to marry when I just didn't feel it was the right thing. And I want to do the right thing in this divorce by you. I really want to do the right thing. So, all right, now I'm going to break with this dialogue. So what is the right thing? What would be the right thing for you to do if you knew from the get-go that you should not have gotten married? Well, look at the assets that might be super important to your spouse. Let your spouse have the asset. That would be a really gracious thing to do. Maybe it's a retirement plan. You know, maybe it's a bank account. Maybe it's an investment. I'm not saying to be poverty stricken, leaving the relationship. Please know I'm not suggesting that. I'm suggesting a gesture, a gesture that goes with an apology for such an important moment as saying, I really wasn't convinced that this was the right decision for me. But I did it anyway because I thought we could make it work. I mean, people think they can make it work. People just don't get married trying to take advantage of another person. They they really don't. I mean, okay, maybe there's a marriage for money. But honestly, if you're marrying somebody for money, they kind of know it. And they may have their own reasons for marrying you, which you may not even know about, unless you can, in a mediation or in therapy, just lay down your sword, lay down your fear, put all of your contempt aside, and just speak from the heart. Speak from truth and honesty. For the first time, speak Speak from a point of truth. For the first time, do it. Make whatever concessions you can make that would make your spouse happy. I mean, it's an interesting thing to have. I mean, you know, I'm flashing on all of these mediations that I had where one person in a moment with just me one-on-one would say, you know, I knew I shouldn't have married him or I knew I shouldn't have married her. It's generally the woman in my experience, in my mediations uh, that has said, I, I, I just knew it and I did it anyway. So here's three that come to mind immediately. Years ago, a young girl in her 20s, totally beautiful, came from a wealthy-ish family. So, you know, she came from money. Um, had a great career ahead of her, was punched in the stomach right before she was ready to walk down the aisle. Before they lined up in the processional to go down the aisle, I think there was a private moment between her and her husband, to be husband, and somehow there was an argument. I don't even remember over what, and he punched her in the stomach. What a dilemma that was. What do you do? Holy heck, I don't know that many people who would say wedding's off. 
she did what probably most people would do, and that is walk down the aisle. And then shortly thereafter, it's getting divorced. But that could not have possibly happened in a vacuum. There had to have been issues leading up to the wedding day. There had to have been examples of unbridled anger, control, major disagreements putting the wedding together. When I used to be in the music business, the private event business, I produced music for weddings along with other types of events. But weddings were a very big moneymaker in the world of live entertainment, especially in Los Angeles. And they are in other cities that are wealthier cities. I could tell you in a second who was going to get divorced because they just wouldn't agree and communicate properly when buying music. Buying music is supposed to be fun. You know, you get to plan what people are going to listen to and dance to and your favorite songs and your first dance and your wedding processional. No, there was a couple that just treated each other badly, condescendingly. And they actually did get divorced um, a year or two later. Easy enough to figure out. Then there was a mediation. And it it was the second or third mediation I had done for this couple separated by a year. Nothing had really changed. She was super angry at him. He, she didn't trust him at all. I could understand why. When he talked, I had no idea what he was saying. No idea what he was talking about when he talked. And when I can't figure out what you're talking about, you're lying. So lies upon lies make you sound illogical. And, you know, it doesn't even matter what you're really lying about. I know you're lying. So the second mediation was as difficult as the first mediation, except the difference in the second mediation was... She brought in all of these receipts from grocery shopping, um, things she bought for the kids. And I said, why are you bringing all these receipts? They're not necessary in a mediation, but I, I know there's a reason. She said, there is. I just want him to appreciate me. I just want him to see everything I do for the family so that when we are working out and negotiating our settlement, um, he will do it. I guess she meant honestly, he will do it. She wanted him to say, I appreciate you. Even in the divorce, she wanted him to say, you've been a great mom and wife. Thank you for everything you've done. And he just wasn't that kind of a person. It wasn't easy for him to do that. You know, I could go into what I think his mental health challenges were. And when people lie, you have mental health challenges. Doesn't mean you're completely crazy, but you have mental health challenges because lying isn't natural. Lying is covering up. And what does it cover up? It covers up fear. It covers up the need to control. Those are mental health issues. That being said, he wasn't able to say what she needed him to say. Mediation is over. We really got nowhere because we were trying to establish the division of real estate, child support and spousal support. And there were several children. 
and she did not work. So she definitely needed spousal support. While mediation's over, he leaves. When the woman stays, she talks. And I really do learn more about the profile of the marriage, which allows me to know how to handle the mediation as a mediator. And eventually she said, eventually she said, I knew he was the wrong person to marry before we married. I knew it. And she said he just checked all the right boxes. He looked like he made money. He looked like he could provide me with a secure home. He said he wanted to have children. And I wanted the, the typical family, the white picket fence family, which she did not get because it wasn't possible because she's never should have married him. So anyway, they ended up with attorneys and they had to get divorced that way. And then the third that comes to mind is she asked him to get married. They had dated for, I don't know, three years or so. He wasn't asking her to get married. Now, that's an issue. If you're dating three years, and this is like 30, 40 years ago, and he's not asking you to get married in the typical heterosexual marriage, there's a problem. And the ultimatum doesn't matter. You don't give somebody an ultimatum. You talk about it. You talk about why you're not getting married. And you really flush that out. You get underneath the surface. And you can't blame him. That's ridiculous. It's a waste of emotion to blame. He's just not the right person for you. It's generally, I mean, if we're looking at the man to ask the woman, which is rather traditional, I mean, look how it started with Charlotte and Trey in Sex in the City. She asked him to marry him and it didn't work out. No, no, no. We still are in a culture. It's shifting in, in our culture, in our heterosexual culture. It still seems, you can argue this with me. I always welcome argument. It seems like the better route to go is for the man to ask the woman to marry. But anyway, so in this particular situation, she asked him. They got married, married 30 years. All this time, he had a mistress. They had children. They had a beautiful home. They educated their children. When she found out that he had a mistress for 30 years, who was also married, by the way, that was the divorce. But you know what was so interesting about them? The truth never came out. I mean, it was never discussed in the mediation. She did divulge that to me. Um, When she divulged that she asked him to marry her, um, they handled themselves well. Really and truly, I enjoyed working with both of them. I really, really did. You know, and as a mediator, you really have to learn not to judge people. And I I don't want to judge anybody. I don't care to judge anybody. Judging people doesn't get me anywhere. Understanding people gets me somewhere. And the same for you. Understanding human dynamics is where it's at. You, instead of blaming, 
ask why. I would have loved in the mediation, now this is more for therapy, but I would have loved in the mediation, in that particular mediation, for it to have come up specifically that, um, you know, the reason for the divorce, it's a no-fault divorce state, so I don't go there. But what would have been interesting to me would be to see if the dialogue was established wherein she asked, why didn't you ask me to marry you? I would have loved to have known that. It would have been such a great window to understand why he didn't ask her to marry her, but he agreed to marry her. They supposedly enjoyed a 30-year marriage, and I'm sure there were excellent times, or you don't stay together 30 years. I don't think they were fighters. I, I say, So there are some people that just don't argue. Emotions don't come up in a marriage. There are there are definitely people, and my in-laws were those people. You don't argue. You sweep everything under the carpet. If there's anything trepidatious to talk about, unsettling to talk about, you don't. You don't talk about it. That's the problem. There are still a lot of people that because of their culture, because of their religion, because of what they're used to when they grew up, they don't talk. So you keep marrying the same person over again. You stay in a loveless relationship. And then you find out things that people do for survival. So I think having affairs is for survival sometimes. If you don't have the passion in the marriage that you have, I think that you look outside the marriage for that passion, that intimacy, that truthful connection with another human being that you're not getting in your relationship, but you're too afraid to bring it up. You know, maybe your spouse doesn't is going to inherit a lot of money. That keeps people together. The promise of the inheritance. Yeah. And just the idea that this is too much of a change to get divorced. So wounds will only heal with honesty and truth. There's one other mediation that comes to mind, by the way. That was one of the best mediations ever. It was years ago. These Again, these people did not argue. Long-term marriage. Um, they, um, how, do, how do I say this? They had an event that happened that never got discussed. So we're in the mediation and they're dividing things equally. She's already living in the house that she inherited in her through her mother's death. Um, Mortgage-free home, who doesn't love that? Uh, so she only has to pay property taxes. And because it was uh, pre-prop, 87, 80, uh, Prop 19. Anyway, there's this proposition in California that um, put uh, put a moratorium on property taxes uh, prior to a certain year. So that was her. So she had paid very little property tax. Anyway, point being, we got to the division of the pension. So his pension was rather large. 
And he didn't want to divide it equally. Everything else was kind of being divided equally. He wanted a slightly uneven division of the pension. And I didn't understand why. And we were at the end of the two hours. It was later in the evening. Everybody was tired. So I said, let's adjourn and let me think about something because there's something in the back percolating and I can't get to it and, and, and we can schedule another mediation. So we adjourn. On the way home, I'm thinking, there is an issue here that's not being spoken about. And it will come out if I clearly ask him, what is the reason for this slightly uneven division of the pension? It was $1,000. That is no money in the world of pensions when you have a large pension. So I emailed him later that night. That's when I was still emailing in the evening. I do not email in the evening anymore when I get home. But it was on my mind, so I emailed both of them. But I addressed him. And I said, is there something that dividing the pension evenly or unevenly represents? Is there something that hasn't been addressed or spoken about? in the marriage that is is in the background of you wanting this unusual, uh, slightly uneven division of the pension? And he said, yes. He said, the reason is he emailed back. He said, the reason is I was on sabbatical uh, for several months When I got home, she was no longer in the house. She had moved into her mother's house that she recently inherited. I was so offended that she did not tell me she was doing this that I don't want to divide my pension. So this is how he was expressing his hurt, his wound over finding all of her stuff gone. I mean, his stuff was there. The furniture was there because her mother's house was fully furnished. And I said, okay, this is it. There's this wound. It's never been discussed. I mean, can you imagine really that it would never come up in conversation? But there are some people that just don't know how to disagree. There are some people that have learned not to bring up things that emotionally upset them. I mean, that's a big thing not to bring up that emotionally upsets you. Coming home after traveling in a sabbatical, obviously doing research for his work. You're not going to talk about this. So obviously they were having problems in the marriage at that point. And maybe they just brushed this under the carpet, but neither of them talked about it. It was just a preordained decision that she would eventually move into her mother's house. And so having him travel on sabbatical was the perfect time. So I thought this is great. He finally explained what was behind the decision of uh, shorting her $1,000 on the division of the pension. So I waited through the morning the next day to see what she would email back. And she didn't email So I called her and I said, were you going to email him back? He he made a big statement. She said, I don't know, should I? Yes, you should. Of course you should. 
I mean, he just opened the door to a game-changing conversation that needed to happen when you moved. So they went out to dinner. And he emailed me back and he said, Judy, we had the best conversation that we have ever had. We don't need another mediation. We'll divide the pension evenly. I mean, oh my gosh. If that wasn't the best example of wounds can only heal with the truth. When you literally share your honest feelings with somebody, the wounds will clear up eventually. I mean, this one cleared up immediately, eventually. And you're now dealing in a universe of honesty a universe of truth in a reality that is the reality. You know, we construct these realities for ourselves that are jerry-rigged realities and we say the realities. No, reality is based on truth. Reality is based on honesty. That's it. That's the only way we can operate in a healthy way is through honesty and truth. So I implore all of you, who are approaching divorce and or in the middle of divorce, or maybe your divorce has just ended and you're co-parenting, please take this opportunity to finally be the person that you are. Please take this opportunity to share your real thinking, to share your hurts, to ask the other person, why? Why did you do that? I don't understand. Why did you treat me this way? I don't understand. Or I would like to take this opportunity to share with you something I've never shared before. Um, it will come with an apology, but I finally want to talk to you in a way that I have been afraid to, not your fault, me, my own fears coming into play. But I want to use this opportunity of the divorce or the post-divorce for us to clean up anything that we never really addressed. And I want to tell you how your health will improve, your mental, spiritual, physical Health will improve, emotional health, and your relationship will improve. Even in a divorce, I'm not saying this will keep you together, but in the divorce, in the post-divorce, in the lead-up to divorce, at least it'll make this process the best it can possibly be, and it will give you a blueprint for how to move forward in your next relationship. The truth is the only thing that matters. Put those fears aside. Those fears mean nothing compared to the benefit you are going to get by being the most truthful, honest person you can possibly be. And then tell me about it. Let me know how this works out. I'm very interested in human dynamics. I will never judge you. I will only try and help continue the journey of truth and honesty. 
So I hope this has made an impact on you listening. We always can get, you know, a dose of truthful talk. It's always helpful because even if it's not divorce, we have other things going on in our lives that have fear as a motivating factor. Uh, control is a motivating factor. And we think by not being truthful, um, we can uh, straighten things out. No, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. Truth and honesty is the only way to work. And let's make this our mantra going forward for everything in our lives. So thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. I hope this has helped. Share this with your friends. Yeah, hit the like button. If you're not a subscriber, subscribe. And please um, respond to me uh, through the website, theamicabledivorceexpert.com, uh, through speaker pipe on the episode page. I would love to hear from you. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.